0: الحمد لله، الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى. أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم. إن إبراهيم كان أمم قانتا لله حنيفا ولم يكن من المشركين شاكرا لنعمه. اِجْتَبَاهُ وَهَدَاهُ ina صِرَاطٍ مُسْتَقِيمٍ صَدَقَ اللَّهُ الْعَظِيمُ Most respected mothers and sisters. Every mother has an aspiration, has many aspirations. And in principle, the aspiration would be that their children be successful. That is the common aspiration of every woman. She must be a successful mother. If her children are successful, then she is a successful mother. How to become a successful mother? This is something that we will have to take inspiration from those who were successful, those who left a very rich legacy behind them. And, two very great personalities who left a very great legacy behind them, were the wives of Hazrat Ibrahim Hazrat Sara and Hazrat Hadir So today in this time that we have, we will be discussing these two personalities and drawing some inspiration from their lives. It is obvious that we cannot go through the whole biography of these people, but just to take some incidents from their very great lives, illustrious lives, and draw the lessons from these incidents, which we should then be trying to implement in our lives. Sarah Ali Salat she was the mother of the Ambiya of the Bani Israel, and Hazrat Hadir alayhi salatu wasalam, in her progeny came Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So this is the legacy that they left. Such great personalities came in their progenies. And therefore, these are the people we should be taking inspiration from. Unfortunately, nowadays, many times, people want some direction, some guidance in whatever issue. Sometimes there is some financial issue, sometimes some domestic issue, sometimes some other matter, some social problem, whatever the issue may be, people sometimes resort to western literature, some marriage counsellor who doesn't even have iman, some person who is far away from deen and we're going to him for advice regarding a social problem, that person doesn't have any link to deen. What would this person who does, doesn't have any link to deen or somebody devoid of iman, what guidance can he give us? Our guidance is from the Qur'an Sharif, from the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu sallam. And together with that, these great personalities that have passed, the Ambiya alayhi wa and their illustrious families, this is where we will get our guidance from. This is where we will get our direction from and inspiration from. So we should be very careful about what we take, where we take it from, otherwise there have been incidents, there have been situations, where people, because everybody was talking about a certain book, very good book, but very good from what perspective? Good and not good, these are all relative things, it is good to somebody, but not necessarily good for us. So we need to be very sure about what we are taking, some people took these kind of books, and they became completely disillusioned with some, or rather they went totally off the track in terms of many fundamentals of deen. So in any case, these are the two great personalities that we will be briefly discussing and taking some lessons from their lives. The first personality is Hazrat Sara Ali Salatu wasalam Hazrat Sara Ali Salatu wasalam, she was the first wife of Ibrahim Alayhi Salatu wasalam. And she accompanied him when he made Hijrat. After being persecuted and being thrown in the fire of Namrud and all the things that happened, eventually he migrated and made Hijrat from there. And when he made Hijrat, she was with him on this journey. It was a lengthy journey and they had to cross many different places, different territories. As they had been passing one particular territory, which was the overruled by some tyrant king. So this person, his issue was and his evil was that if anybody entered his territory and there was some woman, now people didn't know what goes on here, until it was too late. If there was a woman, he would have her kidnapped and brought to him. And if the person travelling alongside was the husband, he would be killed. It was the father, the brother, anybody else, he let them go, but that woman will be kidnapped. So here again, he was informed that there is this person that has entered your territory. His name is Ibrahim, s. S. and with him is some woman also, and an extremely beautiful woman. So he immediately sent off his henchmen to go and first capture Ibrahim, and he was brought, he was asked, who is this person traveling with you? So He said, my sister. And he referred to her as his sister, in the sense that she was his Muslim sister. Obviously, they were in Iman, and therefore he gave this answer, because he knew by this time, that what goes on here. Then, he was released, and the star alayhi wa was captured, and brought into the presence of this king. Now, this person was a tyrant king, and this, when she was brought into his place, his palace. So he immediately came with evil intentions. Now this is a challenge that he was facing now. This was a situation. And this is where the inspiration lies in us for, is there for us. That when he started coming towards her in this manner, what did she do? So it is mentioned in the riwayat of Ibn rahimahullah, that when he came immediately faqbalat tawadda wa tusalli he immediately resorted to salah he started performing salah and in he also started making dua also and the dua was allahumma in kunta ta'lamu anni amantu bika wa bi rasulika wa ahsantu farji illa ala zawji fala tusallit alayya alkafir ya allah shu ayy that I have brought iman in you and your Rasul. Obviously Allah is aware, she's presenting her iman and she's presenting her amal saliha as wasila, as a form of intercession to gain the mercy of Allah. So she is saying, Ya Allah, if you are aware that I have brought iman in you and in your Rasul, and then the next thing she said was, If you are aware that I have guarded my chastity. I have never allowed anybody to touch me in a haram way. I have never been involved in any haram contact of any sort. Ya Allah, with the barakat of this, you protect me from this disbeliever. Don't allow him anywhere near me. Ya Allah, you protect me from him. She made this dua. And she presented this as the intercession. And no sooner that she did this, this tyrant as he was approaching her, in one hadith it is mentioned, Ukhidha. he became paralyzed. And he also fell to the ground. Hatta he started, he fell to the ground, started kicking his legs on the ground like a person now dying. And he was choking to death. And he pleaded with her at that moment that make dua, because he also realized that something has happened here because of her dua that she has made. So he said, please make dua that I be relieved of this, I won't harm you. So she made dua, and he was relieved. This is the heart of the Ahlullah, those who are connected to Allah Ta'ala, that no matter what the situation may be, their hearts are still filled with compassion. So he was relieved of this difficulty, but then this evil of his still got the better of him, and he started approaching her for a second time. She immediately entered Salah again and immediately started making dua in the same manner. Ya Allah, you know I have brought Iman in you, in your Rasul. Allah, if I have protected myself. Then you save me from this evil. And the second time this fellow fell again. And again he was choking to death. Again he pleaded. She made dua for the second time on his behalf. And he was relieved. But then his evil still didn't get the end. Didn't see the end he started making a third approach. Now this is a lesson for us as well, that we don't take a lesson sometimes, that when some difficulty comes, some hardship comes, some calamity comes, some challenge comes, then we turn sincerely to Allah Ta'ala. Ya Allah, you relieve me from this difficulty, I'll become your obedient servant. Ya Allah, you relieve me from this difficulty and I'll start making my salah punctually. I will recite Quran Sharif daily. Ya Allah, I'll adopt full parada. I will give up all the haram And whatever wrongs I'm involved in, we make big, big promises to Allah Ta'ala. And when that difficulty then is gone, when we are given some relief, we forget Allah Ta'ala. Gradually, slowly, we go back to our old ways. And as if there was never any difficulty that we experienced, and we had never asked Allah Ta'ala for His help, and we had never made any long promises, whereas at that time it was like, this is it, I will never go back to these things. But then again we now find ourselves in some tight corner, again we turn to Allah Ta'ala. But the thing is that this is not the way a mu'min should be conducting himself because Allah Ta'ala describes this as the way of the mushrikeen. That فَإِذَا رَكِبُوا فِي الْفُلْكِ لَهُ الدِّينَ That when they are in the midst of the oceans and suddenly the sea becomes very stormy. And they find this wave now, this huge wave suddenly over them. And it's going to crash upon them. And that might be the end of them. Then they forget all their idols. They were mushrikeen and believing in a million and one idols. But now when they see this death in the staring them in the face, they forget all the idols and turn to Allah ta'ala alone. Da'awullah muhlisina lahuddin. Ya yeah Allah, you save us. So Allah Ta'ala, despite what they are, Allah Ta'ala answers their call and saves them. Allah Ta'ala says, فَلَمَّا نَجْجَاهُمْ إِلَى الْبَرْ إِذَا هُمْ يُشْرِكُونَ Now, sooner we bring them to shore, then they start committing shirk again. In the midst of the ocean, they were muahid, and they had turned to Allah alone. They came on shore, they forgot Allah Ta'ala gave them that safety, and Allah Ta'ala brought them to shore. So this is not the way that the million conduct themselves. Rather, this is the way Allah Ta'ala speaks about the Mushrikeen. But in any case, we have to turn sincerely to Allah Ta'ala, if we have made a mistake for the 50th time, we've made a mistake for the 100th time, but we in all sincerity turn to Allah. Ta'ala. There is never a moment of despondency also, but we should not test the mercy of Allah. Taala. That is very dangerous. Allah Ta'ala is ghafoorul raheem. Allah Taala has also declared wa huwa al That my punishment is also severe. So a person should never commit sins and commit guna that don't will come right. So out of being bold in committing sin, a person is now disregarding everything, disregarding the power of Allah Ta'ala, not concerned about the fact that Allah Ta'ala is watching, Allah Ta'ala can take me to task now. Then this is a very dangerous thing. And Allah forbid, sometimes the tawfiq of tawbah will also get snatched away from a person. Allah Ta'ala speaks about this in the Quran Sharif, وَاللَّهُ Allah Ta'ala creates a barrier between a person and his heart. In other words, then he can't even think about the right thing. The tawfiq is taken away. And there are many incidents of this nature. People conducted their lives in a certain way, far away from Allah Ta'ala, their whole lives in the ghaflat. And now in the time of death came, people are reminding them, recite the kalima, and people are encouraging them. Person there was one person, Shaykh Hz. author, Sha'akim Muhammad Akhtar Sahib used to often mention, mention this incident. There was one person who was very abusive of the ulama kiram in his area and ongoing this was his problem. Whatever the case was, he just made this his. This was his hobby, so to say. He we'll would keep abusing them and making all kinds of accusations against them and causing taklif to them. And this carried on. Eventually, he got very ill and now he was on his deathbed. And at that time, people came to him and told him, make toba and beg Allah's forgiveness. So he replied and said, right now I'm still talking, I can talk everything else. I can say whatever I want to say but that what you are telling me to do, that's not coming on my tongue. That what you are telling me to, in other words, he was referring to making toba and deciding the kalima, Says that is not coming on my tongue. I'm able to still speak everything else but not this. The tawfiq itself was taken away. So, this is a very dangerous thing, that a person sins boldly, Allah Taraf, save us, this could lead to this profit ta- being taken away. In any case, this person, when this happened three times, this tyrant king realized that this is something that is beyond me and I am now going to dig my own grave if I carry on like this. So, eventually he said to his people, please take her away, I don't know what you have brought in king, this is a Shaitan you have brought. Shaitan, what he meant was, something supernatural. Beyond normal human situations. And he also gave Hazrat Hajra wasalam, who da- at that time according to one narration was his slave. He gave her over to Hazrat Sara as a gift. That's so to say to compensate for the wrong that he did. Any case she now was relieved from this situation saved from this, the evil of this person and she returned to Hazrat Ibrahim when she got there Ibrahim, wasalam, he was engaged in salah. In the riwayat it is mentioned that from the time that Hazrat Salah wasalam, was taken away, he immediately commenced salah. And all the duration of time until she was returned, and miraculously, Allah ta'ala had made it such that that entire place where she was was open in front of Ibrahim wasalam, from where he was standing as if he was seeing everything right in front of him. So that he would be consoled by this, that no harm has come to his wife. But what he was busy in, he was busy in salah for that entire duration of time. Until she returned, and when she returned, he inquired that what had happened, she replied and said that, Allah Ta'ala saved me from the evil of this disbeliever. And Allah Ta'ala also gave us this slave as a gift. Now this was the incident that happened, but there are many, many lessons that we learn from this incident. And this is the purpose of discussing these lives. This is part of history, and the Quran Sharif contains a lot of history. All the Abdi salam, their incidents are there. Out of the 30 paras of the Quran Sharif, in 28 paras, 28 out of 30 paras, they are mentioned, there is a mention made of Hazrat Musa salam in the Bani Israel. Musa al incident repeatedly, The same incident in different form, different wordings, will be repeated over and over again in the Quran. You know, this is history. But this history gives us a direction in life. It shows us how those who became successful, what was the prescription of their success? What was the recipe of their success? And those who refused to follow the way of the Anbiya al of the time, what became their end result? So that is that history that gives us the direction, shows us the path. You want to go to Jannah, this is the direction. You don't take this road, this is where you'll finish off. Otherwise, history that doesn't give us that benefit, that it takes us closer to Allah Ta'ala, that history which doesn't show us how to keep ourselves in the right line in our worldly life, then that history is not worth anything. That history which is just for the sake of knowing, as my ustadah Haruqman Abdul Hamid says that what is the benefit of knowing knowing that Napoleon was born apart? What help is going to give to anybody? Futile, totally useless. But that history which guides us towards Allah Ta'ala, that history which guides us to stay away from those things that are going to cause our destruction, yes, that history is worthwhile knowing. So in any case, this too is history, but this history is filled with lessons for us. So What are the lessons for us here? The first lesson is that Hazrat Sarah, al regarding her, it is mentioned in the Riwayat that mean Ahsanin Nas. She was endowed with the most beauty. And it is mentioned in one Riwayat that half the world's beauty was distributed between Hazrat Sara and Hazrat Yusuf al So, she had been endowed with this extraordinary beauty. But she did not allow this to become a source of fitna for herself or for anybody else. She did not misuse or abuse this or did not allow it to become a means of displeasing Allah Ta'ala. Now this is a very deep lesson and this was something that the other lesson we get in this is that when this challenge was now right in front of her, and, she was in this difficult circumstance. What does she do? This is a tyrant king. Can she fight the king? Some other person, she can still, perhaps, try something. But can she fight with this king? How far she's going to run? This is, in, at his mercy she is. But she turned to the king of all kings. She turned to Malikul Muluk, or Malikul Muluk, to the king of kings and the owner of kings. She turned to Allah Ta'ala. But in turning to Allah Ta'ala, what did she present as the amal upon which she drew the mercy of Allah Ta'ala? the amal which became the means of drawing the mercy of Allah Ta'ala was the protection of her chastity that she did not allow any haram to creep into her life especially in this regard so this became the means of drawing the help of Allah Taala in such a critical situation and drawing the help of Allah Taala instantly that here she made dua and hear the help of Allah Ta'ala King. So this is a very great aspect and a very great lesson to be very far away from anything that taints one's chastity in any way, whether it be via the social media, whether it be in any other way, and especially as mothers, this is our primary responsibility towards our daughters, that we make sure that they are not tainted in any way, especially nowadays, with these cell phones and technology and whatever else and whatnot carries on, all the haram chatting that takes place, these are very destructive things and it destroys a person's morals, destroys a person's character, and many a times has destroyed people's marriages. Sometimes a person got involved in these kind of things, haram chatting or whatever, in their earlier days in life. And then they realized that this was something that was wrong. I shouldn't have done this. So they made Toba also. But that was still lying somewhere, in somebody's record somewhere, in somebody's phone, whatever else, those messages were still saved somewhere. Now this person made Toba. She sincerely repented. And then she went on. Life carried on. She got proposed. Sometimes it happened in some instances. She got proposed. Now the marriage is about to take place days away or weeks away. And now all this is suddenly surfacing and scuttles everything. Now case a major problem. And there were instances where the nikah already took place. The nikah took place and now all these old stories are surfacing. Now this is the, so the technology of today. That Allah Ta'ala out of His grace, if somebody makes Toba, Allah Ta'ala in His books wipes it out. Allah Ta'ala forgives it, doesn't leave any record of it. But dunya, dunya still keeps record of it. So the evil and the sin that the person got tainted in, now still comes to bite one again. Comes back to bite one. And how many people, not one, if it was isolated thing, then we'll say, well, it was an isolated thing. But this has happened in so many instances. After all that we still don't take ibrat, we don't take a lesson, then this is indeed a very tragic thing. So, this is the lesson that we learned from her life, that she protected herself. Hazrat Maryam alayhi salatu wasalam, when she was approached by Hazrat Jibreel salat was an angel, was sinless, and he was sent by Allah wa ta'ala, because Hazrat Isa wasalam, was to be miraculously born. He was born only from his mother, Hazrat Maryam alayhi But the procedure was, Hazrat Jibreel salatu wasalam, came, and blew into her collar, and this became the means of her concealing. But he appeared in human form. I and mean, when he appeared in human form, at that moment she didn't know this is an angel. She didn't know what is going to be happening here. So she immediately in her own private space, there's suddenly a human a man. What was her immediate reaction? Immediately without any this was a spontaneous reaction. <inaudible> and I seek the protection of Allah Ta'ala from you. If you are indeed somebody who has taqwa, then please then fear Allah Ta'ala. That she is immediately seeking the protection of Allah Ta'ala that I must not get touched in any way that is impermissible. My izzat and honor must not be tainted in any way. So, this was the greatest concern. And she therefore immediately put forward this aspect that look, fear Allah Ta'ala. In kuntar taqiyya. This is the same lesson which has Sarah Ali salat, salam, is giving us that she did not allow this beauty to become a source of fitna for her or for anybody else. She protected this and she safeguarded it and Allah Ta'ala made that a means of her protection and brought back the rewards and the blessings of this. Then the other aspect is that when a person fears Allah wa Ta'ala and a person turns sincerely to Allah ta'ala, refrains from haram, refrains from the disobedience of Allah ta'ala, then the blessings of the Akhirat, that is the promise of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala will certainly bless a person tremendously in Akhirat. But it is not confined to Akhirat. This comes even in dunya. It brings its benefits in dunya also. And the benefit it brings is, it brings barakah. It even brings, the barakah can come in one of two ways. Barakah will sometimes come in the form of an excess as well. A person had thousand rands, now the barakah came in the form of hundred thousand rands. Come sometimes in that ways also. And sometimes in that same thousand rand, Allah Ta'ala will give him or get out the work of hundred thousand rand, hundred thousand for him. How it will happen? Just Allah Ta'ala makes it happen. How many people recently one businessman and this I have heard from so many times, business person says that I Alhamdulillah I built this house and I built this shop and this property and that property and whatever else. He says, but I cannot account for it. I cannot account for it in the sense that I actually tell you how it all worked out. In various ways. But he says, alhamdulillah, from the time I started my business, I made it very clear to myself and everybody around me that we are never going to touch interest in any way. Taking it all, obviously, out of the question, we won't pay one cent of interest for anything also. And we will not invite this wrath of Allah Taala and laanat of Allah Taala in any way. And he says, there were challenging moments also. We cut down, we did whatever we had to do, we brought down the activities and the buying and so on, but all that passed and then the barkat came and so many things are getting produced from this small little business, you can't account for it. Not even a major big business. From a small business, and all this barkat is coming. So when a person is committed to Allah, wa ta'ala, a person is obedient to Allah, a person does not give in to the temptations of nafs and shaitan, then what this brings is barkat. And this barakat is what we have to aspire for. Generally the whole dunya is running after kasrat. Kasrat means an excess, a big quantity. That is what everybody is chasing, illa mashaallah. that we have to try and just keep turning the figures. And the figures must keep growing. And if it doesn't keep growing, then that too is bad. One is that a person mustn't make a loss, must make a profit, but if that percentage of that profit is not increasing, then that too is a loss. Whereas that is not a loss. But that is how we think for dunya. And we are all chasing that excess. The numbers must turn. And because that has become the direction, and that became the objective, so now that must come at any cost. Halal or haram, it must come whether the person is now cheating, the person is deceiving, getting involved in interest, there are some deceptions in the way that a person is selling things. Anything, doesn't matter, it must come. As a result, what happens? The numbers may increase, but every bit of the barakat is taken out. And when the barakat is taken out, then the bigger the quantity, the bigger the musibat. And if there is barakat in it, then if the quantity is big also, mashallah, nurun ala nur. And if the quantity is small also, then too a person's work will get done. When there is barakat in that rizq, then it will become a means of happiness. It will become a means of muhabbat. That earnings will be Produce good results. It will bring about good feelings among the household members, among the extended family, in the community. It will become a means of production for the akhirat. This good wealth will get used for good causes and it will build a person's akhirat. And if that barkat has been sucked out of it, if that barkat has been removed from it, then that same wealth will become a means of misery. That same wealth will become a means of. The Muhabbat going away. It will become a means of problems and whatnot. So, the thing to strive for is Barkat. And Barkat comes from the obedience of Allah. Ta'ala. Hazrat Salam turned to Allah Ta'ala in all sincerity and her life was one of piety. So, now came Barkat that she got relieved from this difficulty. She came along with a slave as well. Allah Ta'ala blessed her in this form that some material benefit as, as well came. Dunyami benefit. And as we have seen. That our solution in this incident, what we learn also, our solution to our problems is in salah and dua. Salah and dua. Many times we do many things to relieve our problems, relieve our difficulties, and if it is within the limits of shariat and deen, then it's fine, it's permissible. But very often we forget totally about salah and dua, or as a last resort we'll make some salah. If we make some salah, some nafil salah, salatul haja, and dua now and then, little bit here and there, but not with the intensity that it requires, not with the priority that this should be given. If there is some difficulty, whatever it is, the priority is first salah. Salatul Haja, turning to Allah Tawarika wa Ta'ala. Hazrat Sara Ali Salatul salam, this difficulty is in front of her, immediately in salah. Ibrahim Ali Salatul Salaam, as soon as she was captured and taken away, he turned to salah and remained in salah. For all this duration of time, until she was safely returned, he remained in salah, and beseeching Allah Ta'ala. And she as well, turning to Allah Ta'ala in sincere dua. Unfortunately, sometimes, we forget this dua to such an extent, that we will do everything and forget dua. Many a times it happens, people get uh, afflicted, or sometimes, it's a lot of it is just mind over matter. And many people who are in the know, they say that the majority is mind over matter. People have complaints of jinn, jadu, etc. This is the reality. These things do happen sometimes. But more often than not, it is mind over matter. Something just kept in the mind. One waswasa, one waham, And that starts building up. And when a person starts entertaining these doubts, entertaining these uh, thoughts, which are baseless, often out of nothing, a person starts entertaining them, Then they start building momentum in the mind. And then what was never there becomes like it is there. And that directs the person's whole direction. And people get truly sick out of nothing. Because the mind now has taken over in such a negative way. And when the mind becomes negative, then that negativity of the mind affects the whole body. It affects the functioning of the entire... Because the mind, it sends messages to the entire body. The mind sends a message to the eye when it wants to see when the hand, when he wants to pick up something, the mind is gone so negative, so it sends negative messages to the whole body. So to the heart, and to the kidneys, and to the liver, and to the stomach, and everything, all negative messages. The person gets sick physically out of this mental situation. So what we are actually talking about is that sometimes, if it is even a reality, a person will be ready to sit in the queue of some amil for five hours. But in that five hours also, while sitting in the queue of that amil, the person doesn't get the tawfeeq of making dua for five minutes also. So now that whole five hours will go that we'll be ready to do that, to sit in that queue to wait for that amil. But to turn five minutes to Allah Ta'ala, that becomes very difficult. So, the thing is that the priority, priority is salah, priority is dua. Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was also afflicted with jadu, that was not mind over matter, that was reality. But what did he do? He first tried to treat it medically. And then he realized this is not a medical issue. He, by Medically, by the, in the form of cupping. Then it became apparent this is not a medical situation. Then he turned to Allah. Ta'ala. And how he turned to Allah? Ta'ala? In dua. Who is making dua? Rasulullah sallallahu The most beloved of Allah. Wa ta'ala. The greatest of Allah's creation. And how many minutes he made dua for? In the hadith of Bukhari Sharif, it is stated that the Prophet then turned to Dua, summa du'a, summa du'a. This is mentioned, he made Dua, and then he made Dua. This doesn't mean twice. It means he made Dua, as we would express it, Dua upon Dua. He went on and on making Dua, and turning in all humility, beseeching Allah wa ta'ala. And after repeatedly making Dua, and whose Dua are we talking about? Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu Wasallam after making, repeatedly making dua, one morning he says to Aisha radiallahu ta'ala Allah ta'ala has opened out the reality to me. And Allah ta'ala has answered my call. And then he gave her the whole detail that where is this jadu placed? Who did it? All the details. In any case, that's not our subject now. But the lesson that we are to learn is, that in all these situations, in all these challenges, whether it's a financial situation, whether it is a domestic problem, whether it's a social issue, whether it is something to do with medical situation, whether some jinn, jadu issue, whatever it may be, we turn sincerely to Allah ta'ala. And we make ourselves positive. That I have Allah ta'ala, Allah ta'ala's help on my side, I have everything. So, this is the lesson we learned from Mother Sarah alayhi salatu wasalam, that she turned in all humility to Allah ta'ala, she resorted to salah, she resorted to dua, and Allah ta'ala opened the way out for her. Then to take another aspect of her life, that initially she was barren. And she could not bear any children. Ibrahim was also desirous of a child, and he was making du'a as well, Rabbi Habli mina Salihin, and any woman would desire a child, but she was not able to bear any children, and time passed, and she passed the age when normally she would be able to bear a child. In that interim period, this incident with this tyrant king took place, and when she returned from there, she had come along with Hazrat Hadir wasalam, as a gift to her. But when she realized that now the age is now passing and I'm apparently not going to be able to bear any child, then she made a tremendous sacrifice. And she took a huge step in consideration for Ibrahim alayhi She knows that he's also making dua for a child. And apparently it doesn't seem that she's going to be able to bear a child. So what did she do? The slave, who was a slave for her now, she freed her and gave her in the nikah of Ibrahim, who's her husband. Now this is not in any way being encouraged here. Tonight the men will be addressed, they won't be told that they should be looking into this. So everybody can just rest assured that that's not the topic And neither is this being encouraged. What is being encouraged here is the lesson of consideration. The lesson of consideration in general. That to be thinking about the comfort of others. To be thinking about the welfare of others. To be thinking about what will make or get others' needs fulfilled first. And our needs later. Considering how to make others comfortable first. And our comfort later. Considering the feelings of others first. And our feelings later. This is not only for women obviously. This is for everybody. But this lesson of consideration from... One is now a small little thing. Anybody will just make some consideration. Pass it on. Doesn't matter. Somebody is in need of one rand. So we got that one rand. Belongs to us to give that one rand away. What does it matter? That's consideration also. But that's a small consideration. But this kind of consideration requires a heart, and requires a very big heart. But this is the lesson of consideration that we should be applying in our day-to-day lives. Many issues come up, many domestic issues, issues between spouses, issues between parents and children, issues between brothers and sisters, issues between extended family members. And often much of it is just because we haven't learned akhlaq, we haven't learned consideration. Consideration in various forms. One is consideration in giving others the priority. For example, in one home, now there is a mother-in-law, there is a daughter-in-law. So this is a universal story. But when both have learned consideration, then the challenges still remain, but life carries on smoothly. Because each one is considering the other. Doesn't matter, she is also like my daughter. My daughter also makes mistakes. So I overlook that. She's also like my daughter. And on the other side, she's, well, whatever it is, she's like my mother now. And if my mother had to scold me and say, tell something to me, I take it in my stride. This is also my mother now. So that is considering each other's position, each other's situation, giving priority to the other party first. When this consideration becomes a part of our system, then life becomes very easy. It becomes very easy to overlook somebody else's uh Error when something's happened by mistake, to overlook it becomes very easy because we have that heart to consider others just as we would like others to consider us if we erred. That to overlook our mistake, to guide us in a good way, to guide us in a way that will be endearing. This is, as I said, that is a universal issue. Perhaps, maybe in lens these things don't occur, but in back home as somebody, he was giving some advice, well, giving advice, he was responding to somebody, somebody had given him advice. And the person had given him advice, did it in the wrong way. He was saying the right thing, but he was saying the right thing in the wrong way. That too is wrong. To say the right thing is important, but the right thing must be said in the right way also. Otherwise, you did one good and one bad at the same time. So, somebody gave one person some advice, but he did it in the wrong way. That person decided to advise him also in return, and he told him, look, I appreciate your advice, but advise me as a mother, not as a mother-in-law. Now, this is not something that is a universal situation, alhamdulillah, we have many times here about good examples, where there is such muhabbat between both parties, that it is something inspirational, so this is not a uh, standard and something that is a norm, but nevertheless, this was something that he expressed which has food for thought in it. That sometimes the manner of expression changes from situation to situation. So we need to look at it from a different perspective. That this is my daughter after all, this is my mother after all, whatever it is. So I need to make the same kind of considerations. But the lesson of consideration is what we need to imbibe within us. And in this way, we ourselves will be at peace. When a person is considerate, then it's very easy to pardon, very easy to overlook. And when a person pardons and forgives and overlooks, it lifts the whole weight out of oneself. For that short while, initially, for an hour or two sometimes, there'll be some kind of little weight, some little pressure of whatever might have happened, whatever might have been said by mistake, but the person then gets over it. It's all dunya and all small things now. Can't make an issue over every tissue. I must move on in life. When a person now overlooks it and pardons it, it takes a whole mountain off one shoulder. And one lives a li- life very happily then. Life becomes easy to continue with. When a person keeps keeping all these things within, a person keeps this baggage. So now one person said something that became baggage on our heads. Then another person said something that became baggage on our head. And then the third person that became the third baggage on our head. Now who's going to get crushed under the weight of all this baggage? Those who said something by mistake, or they said it deliberately, whatever it is, they forgot about it, and they carry on with life. And we are getting crushed under the weight of this baggage. So what benefit to us? The benefit is in overlooking, forgiving, and moving on. And this comes when a person truly has a considerate nature, has this lesson of consideration. In any case, she, Sarah, alayhi salatu wasalam, she gave this gift to Ibrahim, alayhi salatu wasalam, and Ibrahim wasalam, married her, and from this nikah, Hazrat Ismail wasalam, was born, after Hazrat Ismail wasalam, was born, then comes the various other incidents, Hazrat Sara when she, now, Ismail wasalam, was born, so this intense feeling came within her as well again, that I have not, I don't have any children, so I, should also turn to Allah Ta'ala. In this, the lesson we learn is that though in terms of the normal situation, she had passed the age of childbearing, but despite that, she still did not lose hope in Allah Ta'ala. The lesson that we learn here is Allah Ta'ala's Qudrat is above everything. And therefore, a mu'min is never despondent. A mu'min never loses hope. A Mu'min is always filled with hope. No matter how bleak the situation may seem. No matter how difficult something may appear. But a Mu'min's heart is always filled with hope in the mercy of Allah Ta'ala. And a Mu'min always has full yaqeen in the Qudrat of Allah Ta'ala. And Hazrat Salaam, when she saw this, that now Hazrat Hadira has a child, so she turned to Allah Ta'ala as well. Eventually, the angels were sent to Ibrahim al Salaam they also came in human form, and they came and gave him the glad tidings that he will be blessed with a child from Hazrat Sara alayhi salatu wasalam. Now she has already passed the age of childbearing. And she herself expressed this in surprise, not in surprise that can this happen, but Alhamdulillah, this is now going to happen. And she said, Qala ala I have now reached this old age, are you really giving me this glad tidings? So in any case, this incident now, when the angels came to give this glad tiding, this is mentioned in the Quran Sharif, and this too has various lessons for us. Allah wa Taala says in the ayat of the Quran Sharif, hal hadithu bayti Ibrahim al that has the news reached you of the guests of Ibrahim al Israel. The guests were the angels. But they came in human form, so Ibrahim wasalam, did not immediately recognise. That these are angels; these are not human beings. In any case, they came is dhalu alaihi salama. When they entered his home, he invited them in. They entered his home, so they entered with salam, falu salama. Immediately made salam. The salam is again something, unfortunately, which is dying down. Salam, this is the greeting of peace, the greeting of barakat. the tum buyutan fassal ala anfusikum. When you enter your homes, make salam. And this is a means of bringing great barakat. Now the children walk into the house, often no salam. They're leaving the home, no salam. The husband walks into the home, sometimes no salam. The wife too doesn't make salam. Where will this barakat come? Allah Taala is bringing it to our attention, highlighting it. That you want this barakat, make salam when you enter the home. So, Salam and salam has been emphasized so much. Afshu Salam abaynakum Spread salam. Make it common among you. Salam repeatedly. Whenever a person has now met again, even after a few minutes, two person met again. Salam. So this is what they did. As soon as they entered, they said, made salam. salamun Qawmun Munkaroon He also repeated, replied to their salam. Since you are strangers to me, I don't know who you are. But in any case, he entertained them, brought them inside, seated them. But after seating them, he quietly slipped out, quickly, very, very subtly slipped out, and slipped out for what? He immediately went faragha ila ahlihi, fa ja'a bi Very quickly went and brought a roasted calf and came, and presented it to them. Now this is the whole lesson of Mehman nawazi, the whole lesson of entertaining the guests. Man kana yu'minu billahi wal akhir fal yukrim Nabi Islam says somebody who has Iman in Allah in the last day, then he should he should honor his guests. Ryan did not ask too many questions. He didn't even know whether they are going to eat or not. They are angels. They don't need to eat. They don't eat. But he didn't wait for that. He went and immediately brought in whatever he could and presented it to them. But now he sees that they are not partaking of anything. They are not moving their hand forward. So now he became a little bit Afraid, what's going on? And they noticed this, they sensed it, that he's become a little apprehensive. So immediately they calmed him down. Don't worry. And, and they said, no, we have come to give you these glad tidings. So we are the angels of Allah Ta'ala. And you will be blessed with a pious child. With a knowledgeable child. So in any case, the lesson here was of Mehman Nawazi. That as soon as the guest arrived, His concern was to now entertain the guests. And he regarded this as his honour, as his good fortune to entertain the guests. This too is unfortunately dying down in the Ummad. And why is it dying down? Because we have adopted such amount of extravagance and we have now gone so far away from simplicity that now to entertain the guest has become a very difficult thing. Because if there is a guest now, it has to be done in a five-star style. So now, in a five-star style, that is obviously going to be exhausting. It's going to be costly. Now, after a five-star entertainment of one guest, then five moons will pass in between. We don't want to see another guest. Here, maybe Alhamdulillah, the hospitality of people on this end of the world is well known. But back home, there are many stories people make up or tell you about. And one issue that they normally talk about is at many times. The husband now wants to bring some nehman home, some guest home. So he phones home to say, i got some nehman, I want to bring home. So the wife will reply and say, that you'd rather go to Sparks Road. Now Those who are familiar with Overport, there's a road, there's Sparks Road, very well-famous road, one of the main roads in Overport in Durban. And perhaps that whole road is lined up with, Wallahualam, more than a dozen restaurants, or maybe more, Muslim-owned outlets. And from one end of the street to the other, I think a dozen is probably an understatement, be two dozen or more. And not a long road also. So now, the story that the answer he gets is, you go to Sparks Road. And what actually the message in that is, that if you come home with this mehman, there will be Sparks flying here at home. So if you want to save yourself from that, you'd rather go to Sparks Road. So this, unfortunately, has become the, res- the result of what? The result of not adopting simplicity entertaining the guest doesn't mean that it has to be five star it can be one one dish it can be something simple. whatever is within one's capacity but in the hadith sharif nabi sallallahu says that al khairu asra'u ila al bayt alladhi yu'kalu fi min al shufra ila al salam ila sanam al ba'ir or كما قال النبي sallallahu عليه وسلم that khair and barkat it rushes to a home quicker than the knife rushes to the hump of a camel when a camel used to be slaughtered, the Arabs, the hump of the camel was a delicacy. And it's still a delicacy. So when a camel is slaughtered, the first thing that knife goes towards to cut off and take from there is the hump. In other words, it happens almost immediately after that animal has been slaughtered, this happens. So this is by way of example, that quicker than that knife going to the hump, the barqa comes from the side of Allah to the home, wherein guests are being entertained, wherein mihman are being fed. So this is a great benefit, great barkat from Allah wa ta'ala that, that risk which Allah Ta'ala had written for somebody else, Allah Ta'ala wrote it on your dastarkhan. Mm. Parishan madho mehman se, khata hai apna tere dastarkhan se. That don't become perturbed about the mehman, he eats his own risk on your dastarkhan and you get the reward of it. So in any case, this is something which we have to bring back some degree of simplicity. And we bring back some degree of simplicity that it's very easy to keep ourselves, or, or bring all these great benefits to ourselves. We won't deprive ourselves of these great gifts of Allah Ta'ala. Thereafter the lesson that we the Hajar alayhi salatu wa to just take one incident of her lifetime is very limited. So, we had already discussed that when Sarah alayhi salatu was being sent off back to Hazrat Ibrahim, this tyrant king gave Hazrat Hajar to her. According to one rivayet, one narration, she was a slave, and this slave was given over. But according to another narration, in Tariq al what he's mentioned, is that this was, she was a prince. Hazrat Hajar was a princess in that palace. She wasn't a slave. She was the daughter of this king. But when giving her over to Hazrat Sahar, He said to her, that it is better for you to live as a slave with this woman, rather than be living as a princess in this palace. Can you imagine what he is saying? And this is, though he was whatever he was, despite all his evil, this was something which was very profound. Because what he was saying is, that the material comforts that you may enjoy here, this is of a very fleeting nature, very temporary. But if you join this woman even as a slave, you might have some difficulty in terms of your day-to-day living because you live as a slave. But what you gain within you is beyond all these material comforts. So the priority is for the inner jewels. The priority is for the inner pearls and diamonds. Because that inner pearls and diamonds are really worth something. The External pearls and diamonds and the gold and silver and all the ornaments, all these things, they are just as for the surface of it. If there are things on the surface, they're only worth what is on the surface. Can we imagine, just as an example, a person got married. Just for our understanding, we'll take the example the other way around. Some girl got married to a person of her dreams. She was dreaming of marrying somebody of this nature, extremely handsome person, very wealthy, the wealthiest person around, and who drives the most expensive car, and he has all fancy things and whatever else, Eventually something worked out and that's the person she got married to. Now this person came in all that finery, he came driving a 2 million rand car and he's wearing a 1 million rand watch and as he came in, the first thing he did was he presented his credit card to her, this is yours now and there's some billions in that bank account. But with all whatever he possesses and all his beauty and everything, immediately he starts talking in a very abrupt manner. Now this is the first meeting and we are obviously taking it that it's a first meeting because they didn't do anything haram. But this person had no akhlaq so he didn't have the inner jewels, he didn't have the inner wealth. All his wealth was outside. Now he's talking in a very abrupt way, very rude manner. So what is going to happen? She's going to get a shock of her life. Where did I come? And then barely an hour or two has passed, and now he's already talking vulgar languages, and he's swearing away and whatever. She's going to be already calling her father, please take me from here. Uh, He's still got that same wealth, he's still wearing that same 1000000 watch, she's still holding that credit card, which is now for her to use as she wishes. All that finery and everything, he's still that same handsome person, but she is now, she hates to even look at him. Why? Because he doesn't have any wealth within him. He doesn't have the wealth of akhlaq. He doesn't have the wealth of compassion and kindness. He doesn't have the wealth that really is worth something. So all these fleeting things, this is not really worth much. What is really worth is the inner jewels, the jewelry of haya, the pearls of simplicity, the diamonds of compassion, kindness, consideration, the gold and silver of all the good qualities of a mu'min. This is the real wealth. And when a person has this real wealth, she may not go with very expensive jewelry the day she gets married, but she'll be appreciated wherever she is. She may not even have the most beauty around, but her inner beauty will outshine everything. And she will be appreciated more than anybody else. So this is what we have to strive for and what we have to learn the lesson over. So in any case, the Hajja, she was given and she came into the household of Ibrahim. Salat Eventually she became a, his wife. And when she came to live with him, the, the Hadra, that very important incident that took place in her life, just to discuss this one incident and finish off, when she was now with Ibrahim Ali Salaam, and they were making hijrat again, uh, or rather when Ibrahim Ali wa was commanded by Allah wa Ta'ala to go and leave her with her little child Ismail Salaam, in this barren place. These days of Qurbani, this is the lesson and the reminder of all these incidents. So any case, Ibrahim wasalam, went on, he goes and he leaves Hazrat Hajar Ali wasallam. He has his little baby with her. The little provisions which they could have carried along, he leaves that with them and now he turns to leave. Now where is he leaving her? In a totally barren place. There isn't a single human being there. There is no means of survival there. Everything is against one there. And apparently all the means of destruction for one are there. How is a person going to survive in this place? So he leaves them there on the order of Allah ta'ala and he starts returning. He turns to leave. When he turns to leave, she's an insan, she's a human being, she has the same concerns like other insan. She also is worried about how she's going to be protected here, how they are going to survive. Just now these provisions will be all finished. What will they eat? What will they drink? There's no water here, nothing. So she asks him the question, Where are you going? Are you leaving us here? There's nobody to look after us here, nothing. So he drives salallahu wasalam, keeps quiet. He doesn't reply. She asks the same question a second time. He doesn't reply. When twice this happened, then the third time she rephrases the question. The question now is, Allahul ladhi Amaraka bihada, if Allah Ta'ala command you to do this, because she knows her husband is a Nabi of Allah, Ta'ala, so her question is, is has Allah Ta'ala commanded you to do this? She indicates yes. When he says yes, she now responds differently. First she was expressing her concern. Now she says, If that is the case, if this is the command of Allah, Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will not allow us to perish. Allah Ta'ala will not allow any harm to come to us. Now she is seeing all the signs of destruction in front of her. No food here, no water here, no shelter here, nobody to protect us here. All these are the apparent means of getting destroyed here. But when she is told this is the order of Allah Ta'ala, she is totally at ease and calm that if it is the order of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will look after us. This is that lesson she is teaching us. That In every situation, our concern should be, what is the order of Allah Ta'ala? And if we submit to the order of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will protect us in every condition. But, initially the challenge will come. The challenge came to her also. The challenge came that the water got exhausted. So As soon as the water got finished, the food got finished, it didn't happen that one angel just appeared from nowhere and brought the water, does it, carry on. No, for a while there was no water. For a while she couldn't even now feed the child, because there was nothing to feed the child. There was no milk available now to feed the child because she herself was starving. As a result now, the child is now tossing and turning in this difficulty. That he's hungry and she's got nothing to feed the child. So in this difficulty, in this moment where she could not even bear to look at this masoom child tossing and turning, so she ran up towards Safa to see is there anybody that can be seen. Can she find some help? And she saw nobody she came running back down to see what is going on with the child. How is he this? Same situation. She ran towards Marwa. Climb Marwa. Not under the shaded roof and with those blows blowing as we go make Sa'i sa- 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 nowadays. In that rocky ground and under the sun and in that zamana how it might have been. Nowadays people that Sa'i itself also becomes such a challenge. But can we, can we imagine but this was the challenge initially. And she did this seven times. But when she did not back out of the submission from Allah Ta'ala, she did what was within her means. She ran back and forth to see if she can find something. But she did not now go and curse her husband now. You see, you left us here, this is what happened. No, she knows this is the command of Allah Ta'ala. So Allah Ta'ala loved this so much. Allah Ta'ala said to any hajj he comes, his hajj won't be complete till he also Brings this reminder alive. But he also would have to make the sa'i and remind himself of the submission of his hajjali sallallahu alaihi But when they submitted, what was the end result? The end result was that this Qurbani brought that barakah, that he brought zamzam, and this zamzam is nourishing millions of people from then till now until Qiyamah. and millions every day are drinking from it, and it is being taken throughout the world. This was the barakah of this submission. This was the barakah of this qurbani for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. So, if we want the same barakah, then we have to follow the same lesson. The lesson of total submission to Allah Ta'ala. Totally turning to Allah Ta'ala. In all our issues, in all our affairs, we turn in full obedience. And, there will be some challenge sometimes, initially. It won't happen at the press of a button. But if we remain steadfast, then that water will come. That nourishment will come. That ease will come. And, the difficulties will be uplifted. But first we have to persevere, we have to remain steadfast, we have to turn to Allah wa Ta'ala, and in this way we will find that Allah wa Ta'ala will answer our du'as, Allah wa Ta'ala will remove our difficulties. So these are the great lessons that we learn from these great personalities. These were people who truly left a legacy behind, a very rich legacy. And this is what we need to learn from the legacy that we should leave behind for our children is that what kind of deen we imparted to them, what kind of values we gave them. The dunya that we leave for them, Alhamdulillah, there's no harm in that, what has come in a halal way. But if we didn't leave Deen with that dunya, then in a short time the dunya will all get squandered also. But if we leave Deen with them with the Deen for them with the dunya, we instill the qualities of Deen. They live a happy life with or without that material wealth and they will use that material wealth also in a way that will benefit them, benefit us also. Because they'll put it in a cause that will become Sadaqah jariyah for us. So, we need to turn to Allah Ta'ala in all sincerity, take the lessons from these pious personalities, and invite these lessons in our lives. Allah wa Ta'ala give me and all of us a tawfiq. Allah Ta'ala bless us with the strength of Iman, with complete submission. Allah Ta'ala keep us on Iman, take us on Iman, and raise us on the day of Qiyamah with Iman. آخر دعوانا عن الحمد لله رب العالمين الله لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحسيثنا عن عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزال الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله اللهم افتح لنا بالخير واختمنا بالخير واجعل عواقب أمورنا بالخير بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة عين وجعلنا لِلْمُتَّقينَ إِمامًا رَبَّنا فاغفِلْ لنا ذنوبَنا وَكَفِّرْ عَنَّا سَيِّئَاتِنا وَتَوَفَّنا مَعَ الْأَبْرارِ آمين. رَبَّنا وَآتِنا ما وَعَدتَنا عَلَى رُسُلِك وَلا تُخِزنا يَوْمَ الْقِيامَةِ آمين. إِنَّكَ لا تُخْلِفُ الْمِيعَادَ اللَّهُمَّ إِنَّا نَسْأَلُكَ مِنْ خَيْرِ ما سَأَلَكَ مِنْهُ نَبِيُّكَ وَحَبِيبُكَ سَيِّدُنا مُحَمَّدٍ صَلَّى اللهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ وَنَعُوذُ بِكَ مِنْ شَرِّ مستعادك من مِنْهُ نَبِيُّكَ وَحَبِيبُكَ سَيِّدُنا مُحَمَّدٍ صَلَّى اللهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العمي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وإصحابه اجمعين سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب